Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. The leaking of the Supreme Court of the United States a potential decision concerning overturning Roe versus Wade, which granted federal constitutional protections for abortion rights, has echoed not only through the United States, but internationally has been talked about and written about a great deal in this country. So a draft of a majority opinion of the SCOTUS justices appears to indicate the court may well decide to do exactly that, and that is remove the constitutional protections for abortion rights. My guest has written in response, while the leak itself is shocking, the substance of the decision is more shocking and will have a significant impact on the people's trust in the court. My guest is law professor Anne-Marie Lofasso from the University of West Virginia. She's the Arthur B. Hodges Professor of Law at West Virginia University's College of Law. Professor, thank you very much for taking the time. You've said the leak is shocking, the decision even more so, and it will significantly impact the people's trust in the court. Speak to that, please. Well, first, thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak on this really important issue. Um, it's it's significant and it's shocking, first of all, of course, because you have for the first time in history an entire first draft or any draft of a Supreme Court decision being uh, leaked. And that's just shocking. Uh, it's shocking because it came out, all these decisions always come out around 10 a.m. in the morning toward and the important one, the really significant ones come out in June or July even. And this came out in May, came out in the evening. So that all adds to the context of why it was shocking. But the decision itself makes it even all the more shocking because rather than just sticking to what the issue was, which was just whether this particular state law which um, banned abortion um, anything after 15 weeks, uh, just decided to completely overturn um, Roe versus Wade and, and Casey, which are the two main precedents in the area of a woman's reproductive freedom. So that it didn't have to go that far and it's just decided to do that. Also, the reasoning of the decision is shocking because the, re the reasoning is based first on the idea that uh, they can't overturn the precedent that states that this is not a woman's issue because their their cases say that this is not a, this doesn't only affect women. So, in other words, that means they completely in the very beginning forego and e forego and foreclose an equal protection analysis. Yet they're willing to overrule the substantive due process analysis. So should I explain the difference between those two? Yes, please. Okay, so in our 14th Amendment and our Fifth Amendment, which are part of our amendments to the United States Constitution, we have, um, the, we have 
the Equal Protection Clause and the Due Process Clause. The Equal Protection Clause says that the government cannot act in a way that um, treats people differently um, based on before the law, that all people are equal before the law. And the way the case law has come out is that if you're part of a discrete insular minority, um, then you then the court will scrutinize very heavily whether or not the government's action is is creating something unequal. So one of those um, suspect, what we call a suspect class, is gender. So if the government decides to either facially treat women differently or it has a disparate impact on women and there's an intent to have a disparate impact on women, then the, then the, the court has to scrutinize that very heavily and chances are the law would be struck down. So obviously uh, abortion affects women disparately than men. But the court's decisions say that's not true. Um, that it doesn't, it has nothing to do with gender. And it refused to, re to relook at that line of cases, knowing because if it did, that, that these abortion laws that are restricting abortion would have to be over, would, would have to be overturned, meaning a law like in Dobbs wouldn't withstand scrutiny. Now, the substantive due process clause, which is part of the same amendments, says that no one can deprive a, a person of life, liberty, or, or property without due process of law. And there's two parts of that. One is the procedural parts, which we're not going to talk about today, and the other is the substantive parts, which says that the, that the United States is not allowed, or not just the United States, but no state, no government actor can make laws or enforce laws that affect fundamental rights. So here at issue is a woman's fundamental right to um, not just have an abortion, but to actually have bodily autonomy. If you, the narrower you define that right, the easier it is to strike it down. So the very first page of this opinion defines the right not as a woman's right to control her body, but as a woman's right to have an abortion. So of course, it's going to be more difficult to defend. And then the reasoning goes on to explain that there's nothing in the Constitution that states that a woman um, has a right to an abortion. Now, importantly, in the last 50, more than 50 years, since at least 1965, if not before, the courts have interpreted, in particular the Supreme Court, has interpreted the substantive due process clause sort of like a human rights clause. And that there's certain rights- May I just interject and ask you a question? Yes. I just want to ask you a question on that point. Yeah. The draft decision states, if I understand it correctly, that abortion is not rooted in US, quote, history and traditions. Is that what you're talking about right now? Yes. So there's two ways of looking at this. There are what's called enumerated rights and unenumerated rights. So social conservatives want to interpret the constitution as only only protecting enumerated rights which means you have to find it expressly in the constitution the problem with that is that no woman and no minority had any rights at the founding it was only a subset of white men 
who owned property and maybe some some other white men. So not even all men. So um, and not even all white men. So certainly not women. Women were property of their husbands or their fathers at that time. And um, minorities were mostly if you, there were minorities in the country, they're mostly Africans or Af then African-Americans and mostly enslaved. Uh, Dr. Lofasso, if I can just maybe cobble together a hybrid question for you, then to the, putting the, together the two questions I thought of before the break. So is this a judicial or political decision? And then the second part of that would be 22 states, as I understand it, I think you wrote about this, have an abortion ban or near ban in legislation which cannot be enforced because of Roe versus Wade. So if the final decision by the Supreme Court is as the leak strongly suggests, would that make those 22 states, those laws or bans in those 22 states immediately enforceable? Okay, so as to the first part of your question, it's both a judicial and a political decision. It's judicial, obviously, because it's within the court is deciding. But I think the political aspects of it are really on display by showing that the court refused to revisit its equal protection precedent, but was more than willing to jump and overturn um, Roe and Casey, Roe after almost 50 years, even though it didn't have to reach that issue. So that shows the political nature of this. Um, I think also given that um, the Republicans uh, refused to allow Obama to put a judge in, that was Judge Garland, uh, onto the Supreme Court, and then um, Trump was voted in, and Trump promised to have Roe versus Way overturned and put into, um, into the Supreme Court three people that were sympathetic to overruling Roe versus Wade shows that there is definitely a political dimension to this. Now, as for the 22 states, um, the states, I don't know the law of every single one of them, but most of them have been in what's called enjoined, which means a court has said they can't be enforced. So all we take at most would be for the attorney general of that state to go into court and lift the injunction. Now, of course, someone could try to um, to oppose that lifting of the injunction, saying that the state legislatures have to reenact that law because there's been superseding uh, to Supreme Court precedent. And my guess is that most state courts will not require that and that the lifting of the injunctions will um, happen within days, um, if not 24 hours. But there might be, in some cases, states that will um, act to um, force the legislatures to reenact those bans. Okay, so the it would be instantly a national, it's already national in scope, but the response would be, from those 22 states, would be almost immediate. Um, how likely is the draft majority opinion that Politico received, how likely is it that is going to prove to be the actual decision. And does the leaking, it shouldn't, but does the leaking, do you think, might it affect the final decision? In other words, can judges, even at the Supreme Court level, be influenced by public debate? Okay, so those are both really good questions. And whether how close it's going to look like the original decision is really going to depend on what's been happening in the last couple of months. So this was just a first draft. It was written by Alito. 
Alito and Thomas were going to have the most um, reactionary views on this, meaning radical to the right um, views. And so that may or may not sit well with, it certainly is, it is unlikely to sit well with Chief Justice Roberts, but you needed to not sit well with at least one other person. So that would be Kavanaugh, uh, Amy Coney Barrett, or Gorsuch. Um, so if one of those justices thought, gee, we really shouldn't be overturning precedent this quickly, we need to think more about this, then it already could have been going through a different iteration at that point. And we just don't know because we don't really have a lot to go on with their views, their views on, we have some to go on based on a, a case from a few years ago, but we're not, you know, we can't be completely sure. Okay. Sorry. Uh, my guess is that it would have been pretty close with Justice Ro Chief Justice Roberts not b being somewhat uncomfortable, um, but but he would then just concur in the uh, outcome and write a different opinion. As to whether the leaking changes their views, the way I see this is sort of like the idea that in science, when you observe a phenomena, it, it changes the phenomena. It's just subconsciously I don't I don't think consciously these judge these justices will are changing their mind, but it's got to have some effect. We're all human. So the idea that um, the, the, the public outcry about this could have effect, but it could go either way. It could actually have the justices become more entrenched in their views or it could make them think maybe maybe I'm not right. And that doesn't mean they're being bullied. That means they're human and they pay attention to the world around them. So I know that people are, are talking about this. Some people, the people, especially on the right, want to believe it was a left-wing person who, who um, leaked this. People on the left want to believe it was a right-wing person. We have no idea who leaked this. We have no idea what their motives were. And um, some justices are saying, you're not going to bully us. I think Thomas said that the other day. But people have a right to outcry. That In fact, that's maybe the justices should read the Constitution and understand that that's protected by the First Amendment to so protest I have, this. I have two. I have two minutes here, and I have two more questions. This one sure, I just I'm don't sorry. have an answer to. No, I'm. I'm so glad you're you're with us talking about this. So there was another case, a Mississippi case on abortion, which was directed to the Supreme Court last year. Is it possible that the draft decision leaked to Politico is actually the decision on the Mississippi case, or is that not possible? No, it's not possible because Chief Justice Roberts has already um, has already verified that this was an authentic draft for Dobbs. Okay. So the other question that I have for you is, if the Supreme Court does what the draft suggests it's going to do, makes that decision, does that lead to other rights or, in some cases, perceived rights, uh, understood rights, to be potentially set aside in future arguments. In other words, it's a set of precedent. Absolutely. The substantive due process clause, the way they've analyzed it here is to say that it doesn't protect unenumerated rights. That means the right to contraception, the right to privacy, the right to same-sex marriage, the, even the right to interracial marriage. They're all at, they're all um, in danger now because none of those rights w uh, people had for hundreds of years. They want something for 800 years they're talking about in this decision. If it doesn't have hundreds of years, then it's not a right. And of course, 
who had rights hundreds of years ago, only a small set. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.